1: In order to thrive in today's competitive business market, you need to constantly adapt to change and shift your business paradigm. Welcome to Business Reinvention with host Nancy Lin for insights on emerging trends that could impact the future of your business. This hour will have you listening to and thinking like the innovative business leaders of today. Now, here's your host, Nancy Lin.
2: Hi, welcome to the Business Reinvention Show. Every week, we share with you thought-provoking ideas from different industries so that you can connect the dots and stay innovative and competitive. Well, one of the hottest topics in business this year is cybersecurity. The cyber attack on Target cost both the CEO and CIO their jobs and the company an estimated $162 million. Experts uh, put the cost of security breach at Sony Pictures at around $100 million, So executives are starting to pay attention and coming to the realization that cyber threat uh, is something that could happen to any company. Consumers are also under attack. There have been uh, incidents where criminals use malware to encrypt a user's data and demand ransom in order to get their data back. And not too long ago, Russian cyber criminals enabled uh, people to watch live footage from insecure webcams, baby monitors, and security cameras to determine if anybody's at home. It's, uh, I say, very creepy. Um, So let's face it, um, our vulnerability will only increase as our world becomes more digitalized. In fact, there will be 25 million devices connected to the web by 2020, and cyber threats will become more physical and personal. For example, hackers could uh, potentially take control of your pacemaker or a connected car and then use them to put your life at risk. In fact, FBI has already confirmed that a hacker took over a plan through its in-flight entertainment system earlier this year, causing the plan to drift sideways. Pretty scary. Um, so cyber threats are complex, costly, and they're escalating. How can executives with no technical background better understand their business risk or evaluate a cybersecurity plan? Well, today, we'll try to explore the answers to these questions as well as innovation trends in the space. And joining me for the discussion is Mike Kerwin, Chief Technology Officer at HIT Care. He had also worked at VeriSign, Bank of America, and PayPal previously, and I'm really, really glad to have him with us today. Hi, Mike. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Nancy. Uh, it's
3: a pleasure to be me here.
2: Welcome. So, last year, as far as I know, there about um, there were about seven hundred eighty-three companies that suffered a hack, uh, which is a record number. But what exactly is hacking, and how does it work?
3: Well, hacking is uh, it's been around for a long time um, in, in various forms. It's, uh, you know, predominantly it's breaking their way in to uh, organizations and individuals to steal, basically, whether it is uh, personal data, uh, financial data, or, um, as we've seen, actual money. Um, various techniques are used, and uh, it is uh, something that is, is on the rise and something that we need to protect ourselves with because it's never going to go away. So, from
2: what I understand, a hacker could access a code and then stay kind of stealthy for a little while and then try to tweak your code a little bit each time and uh, until they eventually figure out the critical part of the program and then try to modify that. Is that kind of how it works? Um,
3: yeah, that is one of the attack vectors. Uh, 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 breaking their way in through um, either a network or uh, predominantly a web interface, accessing the code and changing it to to their benefit, so they can actually inject uh, code to extract information from the back-end servers, uh, spoof people into believing that they are at a, at a real site, whereas, in fact, they have been redirected to somewhere else, which is a, a dark site where they really shouldn't have been, shouldn't be.
2: Mm. And what are some of the principal kinds of attack attacks um... You know in terms of cyber breaches, um, I know some has been attacked in um, in the data warehouse. Um, what are other areas they try to attack
3: well, well there are a number of attack vectors uh, so there's the direct the, the direct attack which will be against uh, you know the the web servers uh, backend servers they 've managed to break in through the network and now trolling through the uh, Uh, The customer's infrastructure, you know, somebody's infrastructure trying to find, uh, you know, valuable data and how to to break into it. Another attack vector is is a form of social engineering, which is getting somebody to open uh, an attachment or a link which contains malicious code, which then embeds itself onto that person's machine, and then, you know, uh, install a keystroke logger or other uh, various types of malicious software which enables them to take control and then uh, then go off into uh, the back end networks, looking for uh, you know, valuable information, financial data, that sort of stuff.
2: Mm. And is it mostly for financial gain, espionage, or why are they doing all this?
3: Well, obviously, financial gain is one, and uh, as we've so there's there's two types of financial gain. One is uh, credit card information and all of the, the, the stuff that is needed to be able to use somebody's credit card is very valuable. Uh, a lot of hackers don't actually use the information themselves. They put it on the market, and people can buy all the information they need to be able to go either use somebody's credit card or open a credit card in their name and make money that way. Um, obviously, you do have, as we've seen in the press, um, there's uh, a political advantage stealing, uh, stealing trade secrets, which we've seen from some of our Eastern Bloc countries, uh, which is which is very prevalent. And uh, and very recently we saw that uh, the White House was uh, effectively hacked as well. So um, nobody's safe. And uh, you know, so it's money, uh, political information, and they're probably the uh, the most predominant.
2: So, why are traditional firewalls uh, no longer sufficient?
3: Well, firewalls can be very, very efficient if they uh, if they if they cover everything. Uh, there's a lot of <clears throat> a lot of uh, companies have backdoors. doors. You know, if your firewall fails, how does the remote staff get in to be able to go fix the problem? Uh, not everything is covered with the firewall, uh, typically. Uh, A lot of corporations will take the firewall uh, and its software and controls out of the box and install it, and they haven't really done an in-depth analysis or a threat analysis to to see, you know, is my firewall protecting all of my assets?
2: Interesting. Um, So there is uh, this feeling that the increasing spend on cybersecurity, which we have seen, um, hasn't really presented prevented uh, damaging attacks, uh, and some are wondering if security investments um, have been, uh, should I say, misapplied. Um, any thoughts on that?
3: Well, yeah, yeah, yes, indeed. So if you get a, a thorough security um, assessment done, it's going to be uh, an eye-opener, but that security assessment isn't just a one-time deal. That security mm-hmm. assessment should be, should be ongoing. Uh, a lot of companies that i've uh, done business with you know they'll hire some very expensive consultants uh, they'll do a threat analysis they'll do um, you know penetration tests uh, a a full uh, a full analysis and then 3 years later that company has unfortunately been compromised because they thought that their initial assessment was was done and good enough whereas things changed you know 12 12 months later, they added new services, which were not in the original uh, assessment. Mm, That's a very good point. So you do an assessment, but from then on, it needs to be an ongoing practice.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah, they kind of let the guards down, um, like we say. Yeah. Uh, So if you're the CEO of the company and wants to have a strategy for cybersecurity, how do you get started?
3: Well, I think it starts with a conversation with uh, either the chief technology officer, the, uh, the chief information officer, uh, or uh, as a lot of companies now, they have a chief security officer, a CSO. Um, is to have a very heart-to-heart conversation with that person to say, okay, so you know, where are we today in managing our cybersecurity? Um, you know, have we run? You know, do we understand what the threats are? And most importantly, you know, who is responsible within my company for managing these threats? Because they happen all the time. You know, it's not uh, a, a one-time event. Uh, these attacks are going all the time. Who's responsible within our organization for identifying and actioning those threats? So,
2: okay, I thought it's really interesting that you only mentioned, like, CTO and CIO. Um, should legal be at the table as well? And, and the other reason I mentioned this is because I have a feeling that some of these breaches uh, were caused by maybe uh, certain employee behavior, you know, lack of awareness and things like that. Is it enough to just have CTO, uh, you know, the technology team at the table for this kind of discussion?
3: No, that's a, that's a very, very good point. So, obviously, the the security starts with whoever is responsible for security. But employee behavior, so uh, legal, yes. Uh, Also human resources. There should be some very clear policies in place uh, that uh, affect employee behavior. Uh, You know, one way of getting infected is going to inappropriate websites. They're notorious for containing malware. Uh, so, you know, you should have a very strict employee uh, practice policy uh, that is enforced.
1: Mm.
3: As well very as good point. You know, legal needs to be at the table, one, to figure out, you know, how can we implement policy and practice and procedure that are within, you know, the corporate bounds, but also they need to be involved in, you know, the worst-case scenario is what happens if you are compromised because you can't just sit back and not do anything. Um, you know, if you're a public-facing company, you really need to get the message out to say, you know, we were compromised, this is what happened, and this is what we've done about it. And it's definitely legal and corporate, and somebody representing corporate communications needs to be at the table as well.
2: Mm, excellent. Well, okay, let's talk some more after the break. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lin. You can also download our programs from Voice America, iTunes, or Stitcher. Please stay tuned, and we'll be back after these messages.
4: From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network.
0: In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of the curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we help leaders at fast-growing companies develop the leadership capacity necessary to manage growth more effectively. Contact us today to learn more about our executive coaching services and leadership workshops. Call 415-322-9073 or email Nancy Lynn at info at changeagentsf.com to transform your business and leadership with Change Agent S.F. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN.
4: Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time.
6: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
1: You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lin. Now, back to Business Reinvention.
2: Well, before the break, we just started talking about how to have a, a cybersecurity plan or strategy. Um, so, Mike, what should be included in a security risk review?
3: Okay, well, it's, um, it's, 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 a, it's a pretty long list. But the first one is to understand from your, an organization perspective what the threat vectors are. You know, if you're a company that doesn't do business with the outside world, you, know, you, you just develop internal software, uh, you know, that, that's a, a fairly limited scope. Whereas if you're a public company like a bank that has both internal systems and outward uh, customer-facing systems, the, the, th- you know, the threat vectors you know, it's almost, almost increase exponentially. It's to understand what those threat vectors are, what policy, practice we have in place to manage those threat vectors? And, you know, do we have the appropriate tools to be able to monitor and react to the threats?
2: So how do we know if we have enough tools? Um, Are there metrics that you use uh, to kind of measure your uh, cybersecurity
3: efforts and how robust they are? Uh, Yes. Uh, So, you know, one is, you know, everybody should have, um, in their uh, performance plan, as it were, anybody that is responsible for security for you know, understanding, do we have? Do we have a? Most importantly, you can have the best protection in the world, uh, but you know, given today's environment and uh, you know, the, the power of computing that is available to the bad guys, uh, something is sometimes is going to happen. But it is. How did, we, how did we react to the threat? How quickly did we detect it? And how quickly did we mitigate the, uh, the attack? So that is a very, very important uh, metric that uh, needs to be reviewed on a very frequent basis.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, you'll so see, time?
3: Uh, you'll see U.S. banks are under, are under attack all the time, and they, they manage pretty well. So they have uh, you know, fine-tuned the security staff and the responses to, uh, to, to react in uh, very, very yeah, quickly, rapidly. Um,
2: okay, I'm glad you brought that up because I know you have a lot of banking um, experience. Um, so, it, I mean, obviously, pretty much every industry has suffered um, some level of uh, cyber threat, but it seems like financial industry has done a better job than um, all the other industries in terms of protecting uh, the security of, of their company information, uh, what do you think that they have done differently so far um, to enable them to have a higher level of security?
3: Well, uh, one, they take, it, uh, they take it and have taken it very, very seriously. Uh, you know, there's, there's two reasons for that. One, uh, banking is a regulated business, so they, they report up to uh, a higher authority other than their own board, but also it's damage to reputation. And as we've seen with some of our big consumers, uh, a cyber threat can lead to a downward fall in share price and loss of consumer confidence, which is something banks can't tolerate. So, you know, whilst they may not have gotten off to a very good start, they have taken it very, very seriously. It's part of their mantra. Uh, Not only do they put up uh, barriers to prevent uh, bad things from happening, they also have uh, security code reviews. So you'll have specialists that will be going through code that sits at the front end or the back end to make sure they don't accidentally open a back door that can be exploited. So they take every aspect of, uh, of security very, very seriously.
2: Mm, sounds like they're very diligent about
3: it. And, uh, they're very uh, they're... diligent. And the other thing is they're willing to invest, which is, um, you know, some companies, you know, that have budget limitations. Maybe they're not able to invest at the same level as some of our, uh, you know, our major banks can.
2: Okay. So that brings up another point. Like, I don't know if it's confidential. Now, what would you say is the average percentage of investment, you know, a percentage of revenues uh, being invested in cybersecurity for financial industry? Uh, And I'm asking this question. It's like, you know, there there might be executives in the audience thinking, well, I I wanted to make sure we're spending enough money, but what percentage of my revenue should be spent on that? How do I know if I devoted enough attention to this?
3: All right, well, that, that, that is a very, very complex question. It may seem very very simple to, to ask, but to, to actually respond. So, you know, coming from a security perspective, I would expect to see something like 30% of the IT budget going towards security and prevention. Uh, now, uh, you know, there are other companies that may wish to spend more because they're trying to generate revenue that will eventually enable them to be able to spend more. So, you know, it's it's very flexible. But, um, you know, I would, you know, given today's environment and depending upon the industries I'm in, you know, finance, uh, healthcare, healthcare especially, I would expect to see, you know, the uh, the amount of budget spent on security, uh, to, you know, maybe a third of their budget, maybe a little bit less. Maybe more depends upon where they are today and and how vulnerable they are mm.
2: and it's really important that they have a response team right and so, absolutely so so let's talk about that a little bit who should be part of this team and how do you test or know uh, if uh, how well prepared they are
3: well you know if you're uh, uh, let's say i'm uh, i I am responsible for security so I would expect to receive um, a notification from my security team to say, you know, we're we're currently under attack. This is what we're doing. And, you know, this is our plan to mitigate it. But unfortunately, a lot of people don't realize they've been hacked until the CEO sees it in the newspaper, which is pretty bad.
2: Um, I guess what I'm asking is, For a response team, what should be included in their protocol and how do they come up with this? Like, how do they have a plan to know, you know, how am I going to respond when something happens?
3: Well, you know, one thing is it's like disaster recovery testing. It should Mm -hmm. be, you know, the response plan should be formulated. It depends, you know, what tools do we have in place to be able to detect the threats? Are we we monitoring the threats? And, and then to actually put it into practice to say, okay, we're under a threat. This is under attack. This is what we're doing to, to mitigate it. So, you know, you fine-tune the, the, the response, and it's something that you, it should be practiced, uh, you know, on a regular basis, uh, just like uh, disaster recovery testing. Now, every bank will conduct a disaster recovery test maybe two, three times a year. They should do the same thing as well as, you know, the response plan is, uh, is enacted and then fine-tuned.
2: Interesting. So let's talk about something um, slightly different, and that's uh, IBM has a new cyber threat data sharing project, and it has attracted something like more than a thousand companies in just the first launch, uh, first month's launch. Um, It's really interesting how companies are now coming together to collaborate on this. How should companies decide uh, whether or not to join a hacking database? um, And what information should they share and not share?
3: okay so you'll find that a lot of companies will have actually have somebody on staff that is, has connections with you know the the white hackers and the and the companies that promote white hacking and you know collaborative security practices uh, you know every good company has somebody with those skills uh, that's actually on the uh, on the i t staff uh, collaboration i think uh, it, it is an essential way to go, because some of the the solutions out there are very, very expensive and you know possibly only affordable by you know thousands of companies, whereas you know the outside world there's hundreds of thousands of companies that would love to have the budget to be able to go invest, but by joining a consortium or um, having somebody or a third party that is actually ma- managing that threat vector uh, analysis and the threats itself um, is, a, is a great way of actually bringing down their cost of ownership, but getting the protection that they desperately need. Mm. So as far as sharing information, uh, you know, things like uh, networking infrastructure, servers, um, you know, that's, that's pretty common knowledge. They used um, across the uh, you know across the the internet and you know, computing everywhere, but it's the, the secret source that you have maybe have hiding behind those servers, where you really need to maintain intellectual property, yeah, definitely that wouldn't be shared, but everything else uh, you know, is, is, is pretty standard.
2: Mm. And recently, there are some customers of Starbucks um, who had their uh, mobile p- uh, payment accounts broken into and money stolen directly from their bank accounts. Um, so I'm curious, are the desktop and mobile security measurement, uh, measures really different? Um, do you need to hire different talent um, uh, to focus on that particular area?
3: Well, there's, there's a couple of things, and there's, there's one, one, one particular point I, I'm going to be making. Um, yeah, I think the uh, you know the the general perspective applies uh, whether it's you know traditional, whether it's mobile, but the threat vectors on mobile are much different. Uh, and you're seeing a proliferation of smartphones and smart devices, whereas you know networking infrastructure, servers, databases, they don't dramatically change over time. Whereas in the mobile space. It's changing, like, every three months, you know, somebody comes out with a new device or a new feature. uh, And, you know, it's it's how do you stay on top of all of those changes because every new device that comes out potentially has uh, to add to the, you know, add another threat vector. Mm. So you really need to have somebody, if you're into into the mobile world, is to have somebody on staff or access to uh, people that uh, can uh, analyze all of these uh, you know, mobile devices and what threat factors they bring to the table.
2: Mm. It just sounds like the level of challenge just keeps going up and up, huh?
3: Yes, um, indeed. But then, you know, the other thing is you need to do is hold your um, suppliers accountable as well, and make sure you have a really good relationship with whoever ever supplying you with uh, mobile corporate technology. Um, there was a case uh, that came up with um, credit card readers, and credit card readers are used across across the globe, and they had one login password, and it's been that way for 14 years. Um, how bad is that?
2: <laughs> Pretty bad.
3: Really bad. Inter- yes.
2: Yeah, and the interesting thing is that cell phone can be used against or for you. Uh, for example, Visa is now using cell phones to find out your location and the proximity to the stores where you are using your credit card. Um, to uh, verify transactions, so it's kind of like using that as an extra to security measure. Yep. Um, I thought that's an interesting development.
3: Yes, in, in fact, a, a number of the mobile payments uh, th- use exactly the same. They use the GPS technology in the smart device, and you know um, will actually send a receipt with a picture of uh, you know with the map of the location that, where you use the card. Um, which is very good for the, the card owner, but it's also uh, very useful for um, you know the the merchant because it it, it proved, it's, it's a validation point. Right. And okay. it re- really helps with fraud. So.
2: Yeah. Okay. Let's take another break. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lin. For up to date business and innovation trends, go to bizreimention.com or follow me on Twitter at bizreimention. We'll be back after this message.
6: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of the curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we help leaders at fast-growing companies develop the leadership capacity necessary to manage growth more effectively. Contact us today to learn more about our executive coaching services and leadership workshops. Call 415-322-9073 or email Nancy Lynn at info at changeagentsf.com to transform your business and leadership with Change Agent S.F.
4: Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store,
6: BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety.
1: Talk on today's hot topics. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lin. Now, back to Business Reinvention.
2: Um, so another question I have for you, Mike, is that um, cyber insurance, um, it's been around for 10 years, but I think very few people have heard of it or used it. Uh, what do you think about that idea of getting cyber insurance? Does that help?
3: Uh, I think so. Um, it was something the uh, Department of Homeland Security pushed uh, a couple of years ago, uh, they uh, brought a number of industry leaders together, um, you know, from uh, from you know, the consumer side, the technology side, uh, the vendors, you know, companies like IBM, Cisco, and got them round the table and actually discussed the concept of cyber security. Uh, if, if you if you read the report from uh, the Department of Homeland Security. It was sort of a mixed results. There were some companies that were, you know, really in favor of it, and then there were other companies that, um, that uh, really just shrugged it off. And I, I was very – I couldn't dig in any deeper to find out, uh, you know, why it didn't light everybody's eyes up and say, "Oh God, this is, this is a great thing to do um, and a great thing to have. But uh, uh, it's, still, it's still a working process. And uh, I think it's something that um, everybody should be looking into for for the future.
2: Mm. Well, one trend I've noticed is that cybersecurity providers are increasingly focused on detection and prevention. And one of the things that cybersecurity experts consider as one of the main reasons for cybersecurity shortcomings is um, having to deal with lots of commercial software full of flaws. So the question now is can software and hardware be uh, safe from the beginning so that they're not vulnerable to hacking? Um, so I wanted to talk about this company I learned uh, recently. Uh, it's called WhiteHawk, and it seems like they're addressing this particular uh, pain point. Um, and it's taking an innovative approach uh, to this. Um, so from what I know, most cybersecurity products have to recognize the unknown malware in order to be effective. Uh, But the new product by Whitehawk is built on the concept that you don't need to know which malware is attacking your system. Instead, you should have blanket immunity against anything that's foreign. Uh, and, and make your code hacker-free from the start. So uh, kind of like, the, you know, another way of explaining is like they're temper proofing your code before you release it. It's kind of like giving it a vaccine shot, uh, figuratively speaking. Um, what do you think about this concept, and uh, what's the significance, if any?
3: Well, I think it's, uh, I, I think it's, a, it's, it's a great direction. Uh, to, to, to take to have code that is basically as you said um, has been inoculated against all you know all diseases um, well I don't think it, you can get one for all diseases but it, it, in concept I, I think it is, it is really great because what it does it takes the burden off um, of the developers uh, it, it it also makes you know it gives a, a very very high level of confidence and, and coupling um, you know, tamper-proof code or code that will modify itself when it detects it's being tampered with to ignore uh, to ignore the threat, and then coupled with some um, you know intelligent detection, uh, that is uh, I think uh, a tremendous direction uh, that is being taken, and I think many many people would benefit from that technology.
2: Yeah, and I think it's a big mind shift as well. Uh, in the past, it's like launch whatever, and then we try to figure out a way to protect against uh, malware. Uh, but this is kind of uh, talking about the idea of having a strong and robust product to start with so that you don't have to deal with as many security products um, after you release the code. Um, so it's kind of shifting the focus um, to to, you know, having a, a kind of strong uh, coding, uh, I guess, uh, process uh, from the very beginning. Um, right. Yeah. Um, so it, it also protects um, linkable object files. Is that something important?
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so one of the things is obviously, you know, being able to inject code, um, you know, there's two directions. One is, you know, through the front door. Uh, which is very, very important. But um, also to have the same uh, code technology looking at the back door as well, or protecting the back door as well. Because, you know, if you get a threat vector that comes in through social engineering, um, there may be an attempt to modify code, you know, to put uh, bad code, bad actors onto the other side of the corporate networks. Um, so, you know, if you have this technology that is outward-facing as well as inward-facing, it really provides a high level of protection and confidence.
2: Mm, that's great. Uh, so the other problem with cybersecurity is that it can take more than something like 200 days to identify a cyber attack once it's been launched. Um, so there's a new product by, uh, uh, I think it's called uh, Theta Ray, uh, uses math Uh, to provide early detection of cyber threats and enable the shutdown of systems before damage can be done. Um, How is that different from what we have right now and how big a difference do you think this type of product can make?
3: Well, I think it can be uh, um, a massive productivity uh, tool for, uh, for the security folks because one of the things that this product does um, it filters out all of the uh, the false positives. Uh, you know, you're going to find, if you look at the security logs of a server, you're going to find you know, hundreds of thousands of events. Well, that's going to bog the, the, the security folks down. They're going to have to run special software. Um, Splunk is, a, is an example. Tripwire is another example. And they can generate thousands and thousands of, uh, of entries. Whereas what um, Theta Ray can do, it can recognise what the false positives, and then just present you with the real threat. So it eliminates all of the all of the noise and enables you to concentrate on the on the real threat. And uh, that uh, that that's a great advantage. And you couple that with the uh, you know the self-healing code, that really you know you're really starting to build a fortress around your uh, your infrastructure.
2: Mm, okay, I think that's really important because I think the fact that there's so much noise is uh, the reason that a lot of time people start to ignore uh, the alerts that they receive in terms of cyber threat. They just kind of write off, like, oh, this is another false alarm. Uh, whereas in this case, if they can increase the accuracy, then uh, alerts will be taken more seriously.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It, then- uh, it won't get lost in the forest.
2: Right. Um, and then there's a, another type of company, such as uh, Skyhide Networks, um, that uh, has created a product to help companies evaluate the risk of using the cloud and analyze employee cloud behaviors. Um, what problem is it trying to solve, and is this really interesting uh, approach?
3: Yes, I think it's a very interesting approach. You know, obviously, everybody's signing up for um, you know, cloud services, uh, in, in general, you know the cloud services offered by the major vendors are, are pretty secure, but there's you know there's always um, I, I think from you know this is my personal perspective, having dealt with um, organizations within a company sort of bucking the IT trend, saying you know I can't get my IT people to give me this service uh, in the time frame that I think I need it, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to sign up with you know some cloud service that offers this and do it myself. Ah, right. So you've now got a rogue uh, IT organization running within the company. They're not following all the normal practices and procedures. And guess what? Intellectual property um, uh, can leak out as well as a bunch of other stuff. And it may not have all the security controls in place that are necessary to present, you know, like HIPAA compliance and all that other clever stuff. Whereas what this product will do, it will tell you and say, hey, do you know you've got folks that are using XYZ cloud service for this particular type of application? But building on that, this is what your employees are doing, what they're, where they're going, and what they're using it for, you know, that sort of is another adjunct on you know, every IT, everybody that's responsible for IT should know where their their employees are going, whether it be cloud-based services, whether it be web-based services, and you know, a lot of companies have built policy, and they have um, uh, devices in place that will actually prevent you from going to places that are known to contain mal- malware. They won't just won't allow the connection to take place. So mm-hmm. what you've got with that uh, with that product is the ability to see exactly what your employees are doing when they're using it and what they're using it for. That's a, a great insight.
2: Mm, sounds like it uh, addresses the challenges presented by cloud adoption. Um, right. and, then, and then there are uh, some discussion about quantum computing, which can perform in seconds computation that would have taken conventional computers millions of years. And I'm curious if this means that they could figure out cryptography in seconds, and then does that mean quantum computing is going to make password and encryption useless?
3: Well, passwords are not just on their own, uh, and in fact, you're seeing a number of corporations uh, and entities that are moving away from just passwords and going to, you know, multiple forms of authentication. Uh, quantum computing, you know, at one time, um, you know, the NSA, um, you know, some of the, the bad actors from, from the Far East, and, um, you know, they, they have the... The financial resources, the deep pockets, to be able to fund that type of uh, compute power, to be able to crack passwords, to be able to crack encryption. Um, but that technology is becoming is coming down to the consumer, uh, which is going to make life very, very difficult for the security, um, the security world. So. What we need to have is threat detection that doesn't work in milliseconds. It's going to be threat detection, uh, you know, velocity detection that is going to react in microseconds, maybe even faster.
2: Yeah, something to think about for sure. Um yes. Yeah, could be a, a, yeah, another emerging challenge for us. Well, let's uh, talk some more after the break. You're listening to Business we mentioned with Nancy Lin. Please stay tuned and we'll be right back.
6: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of the curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we help leaders at fast-growing companies develop the leadership capacity necessary to manage growth more effectively. Contact us today to learn more about our executive coaching services and leadership workshops. Call 415-322-9073 or email Nancy Lynn at info at changeagentsf.com to transform your business and leadership with Change Agent S.F.
6: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
1: You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lin. Now, back to Business Reinvention.
2: So, Mike, in the last segment, uh, we had gone over a couple different types of products. Um, um, So, obviously, there are... Many new products uh, out there, and probably going to be even more uh, in the next few years. How do you decide on the right product for your company? Uh, are there questions that you should be asking yourself before you make that purchase decisions?
3: Um, well, yeah, you know, that, 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 that is a very good question because the uh, you know the industry has recognized that cyber, cyber security is is all important. So you've got um, a number of competing technologies out there, and as we've seen, we've got companies that are coming up with new ideas. So, you know, how do you pick the one that is going to be most appropriate for you? So there's, there's a couple. If, you, uh, if you've got a really good, strong um, security staff, they should be um, aware of the industry developments and continually formulating their plan to say, you know what, I think we, we need to acquire... Why is the product to reinforce our security? So you've got com- so that's that, that that's one approach. The other approach is maybe you've got some companies that uh, that are not so strong in the security uh, arena. That's where they should be using some of the consulting services that are available to them. Um, either you know directly, um, a lot of companies offer subscriptions where every every quarter you can get an analysis and a recommendation. And that should be, you know, for, for the CTO, the CIO, or the CSO for those companies should be keeping abreast of those developments, um, you know, working with these consultants and uh, and third-party uh, you know, advisors to be able to formulate their uh, to formulate their plan.
1: Mm.
2: Okay, so now let's talk about the consumer aspects of uh, uh, this issue. Um, and, and I think that the, the challenge is that it's no longer just a cybersecurity issue, but it's a safety issue as well. Because by 2018, most new cars will come with integrated apps with um, smartphone as the in-vehicle hub. And so that means cyber criminals could hack into internet um of things, um, including connected car or your home appliances. How worried um, should consumers be um, and what can they do about it if they get hacked?
3: Um, that's a very good, that is a really, really good question. Because um, we've already seen um, some, uh, some of the, uh, the automobiles that have already been hacked. Um, you know, somebody springing somebody's doors open. Um, shutting off the ignition, all done remotely. Wow. Uh, So, um, you know, one of the areas that, um, you know, is a concern to me is Bluetooth technology. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not particularly robust, but it's used everywhere. You know, I get into my car in the morning, you know, heading off, and uh, my car tells me, I've just, through Bluetooth, I've just connected to your smartphone. And, you know, the passcodes are very, very weak, so, um, and then, you know, I'm driving down the street and all of a sudden I hear somebody's music coming on through my speakers. And it's an oh. iPhone that is in, you know, um, two, two, a block and a half away from me. So, I would be very, very concerned with um, uh, you know, Bluetooth technology in particular, uh, but uh, especially automobiles because they do present a, a safety problem. Um, you know, shutting somebody's ignition off on the middle of the freeway remotely—that's pretty scary. So the automobile makers and the technology suppliers for this type of technology—they really need to ramp up their ramp up their game and uh, you know, really take it seriously.
2: Mm, wow, makes me want to unplug.
3: <laughs> right. Um, well, um, unfortunately, um, you can't. That's the problem.
2: Right. Um. So, what happens if, say, you used to be Target's customer, and then you heard on news that, you know, their, um, uh, you know, financial, you know, their site has been broken into? As a consumer, what do you do? How do you react to that news? Is there any action you should be taking?
3: Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, you know, unfortunately, it's happened very uh, over the past twelve months. We've seen a number of very high-profile companies that uh, that have been compromised. Uh, the, the, the communication really needs to be two-way. So by the time you find out on the news that uh, a major retailer has been hacked and you know, half a million credit cards have been stolen, as soon as you see that, the first thing you should do is check your credit card statements. Um, if you think you're one of the affected class, the most secure thing to do is call the credit card company up and cancel the card and get, a, uh, and get a, a, another one reissued. Uh, unfortunately, these um, these attackers they work at uh, you know the speed of light, so uh, it may already be too late by the time um, the companies an- uh, announce the breach. But also, I think um, you know the major the major players that uh, that are compromised they need to get their message out in a hurry because it really does damage their reputation. And, you know, it's not much solace to find out that your credit card has been debited, you know, over $4,000 without your knowledge, and then to receive an email saying, but we're going to give you a year's worth of free credit reporting. That really, that really doesn't com- compute, and it really sort of adds, you know, adds salt to the wound. So, you know, advice for the consumer. You do business with somebody, announce they've been compromised, you know, check your credit report, check your credit card statements, call the bank. And, you know, for the the commercial companies, you've got to get the message out in a hurry.
2: Mm. So the last question for you is that, um, you know, how do you build a a user case, I guess, if you feel that um, your company really needs to spend more money on security? Because I think one of the reasons that executives and consumers alike uh, feel a little disconnected from cybersecurity issue is because it's so hard to understand, right? So... What are some of the suggestions you would have for IT uh, professionals in terms of how they can change that? Uh,
3: well, I think one is to make sure that they have the CEO or the person that holds the purse strings, you know, which is typically the CFO, on your side and educate them into the need for cybersecurity Because unfortunately, uh, over the years, and you know, and I still continue to see it, is, oh, it won't happen to us. We're too small for them to bother with. Well, Guess what? That's not really the case. So you know, somebody the 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 person that is responsible for for security should be gathering up these use cases to show that um, you know within within the same industry and say so, yes, it can happen to us, and we really need to take it seriously because this is the impact that it has or had on that company.
1: Mm-hmm. And it was the right. same.
3: We had the same argument with disaster recovery. You know, up until nine eleven. Um, companies really didn 't take disaster security, uh, disaster recovery um, seriously nine eleven happened and then they got they got religion and you know my, my, all the major companies that uh, they have a plan and they 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 act on it they test it and uh, you know, so it really takes a you know a wake up call to, to get traction unfortunately
2: yeah great advice to kind of just showcase other um security breaches uh, in the industry. Um, So that looks like all the time we have for today. Uh, Mike, I wanted to thank you for being with us today.
3: Well, I want to thank you for inviting me. It's been a pleasure, and I am uh, hoping that uh, your listeners have found this useful.
2: Well, thank you. I'm sure they will. And for those in the audience, I hope you enjoyed our show today. Please join me again next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific time or download our podcast so that you can listen to the show on the go. Feel free to tweet me your comments at BizReinvention or check out our website at bizreinvention.com. Hope to talk to you again next week. Take care.
1: We hope that you've enjoyed Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. Please join us for another edition of our groundbreaking program next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific time and 11 a.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Business Channel. In the meantime, follow Nancy on Twitter at BizReinvention to keep up on the innovation trends and information about our next show. Or go to bizreinvention.com for more business insights. That's bizreinvention.com.